the end zone, has a man open, touchdown, Justin Blackman. of Locked On Pokes. It is Tuesday. You know what that means. We are going to hear from Mike Gundy throughout today's episode. Mike Gundy had a lot to say yesterday, speaking to the fan base, speaking about all of the mistakes that were made Saturday. So we will get into all of that. Appreciate those of you who hit me up on Twitter, at Colby J. Powell, at Locked On Pokes. Uh, yesterday was essentially a 30-minute therapy session. I had a lot to get off my chest yesterday, and I did. So I appreciate everyone who listened uh, and who gave uh, some of their thoughts. We'll get to uh, Ryan had a lot of thoughts that he hit me up on Twitter at Locked On Pokes. We'll get to some of those a little bit later in the episode. Uh, basically asking what is the outlook for the season now in terms of win total? How many games can Oklahoma State win this season? What is the record uh, really going to be looking like when all is said? And done. So we'll get into all that and uh, much more here today on Locked on Pokes. But it is a Tuesday. That means we take a listen to everything Mike Gundy had to say on Monday. And, you know, a lot of questions for Mike Gundy today about where do we go from here, all the mistakes, uh, you know, talking to the fan base, things of that nature. It's the, the program kind of feels like it's at a point right now where all the fans are waiting for it to turn or asking for a change. Like there's this, we're kind of in limbo right now where either it needs to get fixed by the current regime or there needs to be a change. There needs to be, you know, somebody yesterday on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, talked about there needs to be a culture change. Not sure that the guys there right now are able to do that. So, you know, fans are frustrated. You know, Mike Gundy says all the time, you created this monster, now you've got to feed it. Um, Mike Gundy was asked specifically about his message to the fan base. You know, what does he say? Obviously, he hears people's frustrations. So what is Mike Gundy's message to the fan base? Here's what he had to say at his press conference yesterday. Well, I thought Saturday was awesome. Uh, and I said this in my postgame uh, radio. The uh, homecoming uh, party over here we had Friday night. The house was full. Um, they... Uh, uh, they were awesome. The students were awesome. The weather was perfect for everybody. That was cool. The, the crowd was awesome. Game day was perfect. The weather was perfect. The fans were awesome. Students were awesome. I just wish we'd have played better in the fourth quarter. So, you know, you've known me long enough. My glass is always full, and I'm not concerned for one second about the team. Do I wish we'd played better in the fourth quarter? Yes. Do I wish we wouldn't have turned the ball over as much at Tech? Yes. But if I even worry about what I thought about walking to this press conference, my profession would be extremely difficult. Um, uh, the program is on uh, as good a ground as it's ever been on here. We just got to correct a few mistakes. That's just life. It's kind of the way it is. And, and what people have to understand is this. I think most, most everybody knows me now. It's not like I don't get frustrated either. Okay? I've told you this. I go home. I take double Ambien. Didn't work. I woke up at 317. I came to work at 345 Sunday morning. That's just the way it is. Okay? So it's not like I don't notice, and it's not like I don't understand people's frustration. But we also live in a society today where people want to bitch and complain about everything instead of uh, put, putting their pants on and go fix it. We're going to fix it. There's nobody around here going to bitch and complain. For me, to a coach, to a player, to anybody that works in that building over there. So... That's the way it works. That's the way that we'll get better. 
But I certainly understand how and why people think that way. But I would, I would ask them to do this. I would ask them to reflect on a teenager and the mistakes that teenagers make. And then as a parent, you sit there and think, how could that happen? I've been doing the best I can to parent him. I can't believe he went around the back of the school and smoked a cigarette. Why do you do that? Well, either you're a bad parent or it's a bad kid. That's not necessarily true. That's just kind of life. People say, well, how do you make that comparison? Because I got three kids at home. Now, I don't know if they smoke or not, but uh, I know this. I know that we, I parent them to not do things and they still do it. So I correct it and move forward. So far, they've turned out okay. Anything can happen. But periodically, it's the same thing happens in football. So it's a fair question, but the fan base needs to know this. If you want to help OSU football, come to the games. You want to help OSU recruiting, come to the games and be supportive. And trust that I will do my job, the coaches will do their job, and the players will do their job. And if not, I'll fix it. That would be the very best thing everybody can do. Now, if you want to complain and all that, I'm good. But you still need to come Saturday and show up. That helps recruiting. That helps Oklahoma State football. And we'll get it solved. We've been in this situation before. It's actually not as bad as the situation we were in however long ago it was, whatever year that was. I don't know. I can't remember my hardly a week ago. Um, but I can remember something that has to do with football. I just don't know what year it was. But this the youth on this team right now and the development, the classes that we have redshirted, the players we have, the overall attitude, there's no nothing to worry about. Okay, so that was a long clip there from Mike Gundy, and really there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, I really do think that he is saying a lot of the right things, but, but I still don't know how well some of it is going to sit. I think there's a fine line between showing calm and trying to re reassure your fan base and sounding complacent. I think there's a there's a fine line there, and I think that that's going to be interpreted differently by different fans depending on how frustrated they are with the program and with Mike Gundy himself. So, so let's just kind of unpack some of the stuff uh, that, that he had to say there. First of all, he said that the program is on as good of ground as it's ever been on. I think that a lot of people, myself included, would probably dispute that. As I talked about yesterday, I'm trying to figure out where the hope is coming from for Oklahoma State because right now you still don't know for sure whether Spencer Sanders is the quarterback of the future. You don't know if you have an offensive or a defensive coordinator who are, are the guys. You know, how many offensive coordinators came through Oklahoma State that it's like, yep, that guy, he can do it. He absolutely can do it. He's great at what he does, one of the best in the country. We're going to lose him because somebody's going to hire him to be a head coach. And, and then all of a sudden, Mike Gundy goes to Shippensburg, and then he goes to Princeton. And, you know, I would rather shuffle in brand-new offensive coordinators who keep getting hired away to be head coaches because they're too good at their jobs than, than have a guy stick around for six, seven years because nobody wants him on their squad. It, that's just, you know, part of it. So um, the program on as good of ground as ever, I, I don't know that I necessarily agree. He talked about him being frustrated too. Look, n no one's disputing that. I, I think obviously if you're a head football coach and your team continues to make mistakes, you're going to be frustrated. I assume Mike Gundy on the sideline on Saturday when Spencer Sanders fumbled that ball and Baylor had a little scoop and score there in the fourth quarter, I, I would assume Mike Gundy was frustrated. Uh, I'm not disputing that at all. And, and then he referenced, you know, the mistakes that teenagers make. You know, you parent a teenager to, to do certain things, and, and then they do the opposite. He, here's my question. Why isn't the message getting through? 
it's again, it's going back to Mason's final year when they lost as a home as a home favorite to TCU and Kansas State. Last year they lose to Kansas State, they lose to TCU, they lose some ugly football games, they lose to Iowa State at home in a game they were favored in. Um, you know, this year they've already lost now consecutive games in which they gave up 45 points. One is a double-digit favorite in Lubbock. One is a four-point favorite at home to Baylor. So, so why isn't the message getting through? And what's gonna what's gonna change about that message? What's gonna be different that this message is gonna get through? Is it just playing time for Spencer Sanders? Maybe it is. Maybe it's just you know he's seven games into his career. Let's let him get 15 games into his career and see how he's doing. Now we go down a whole nother rabbit hole about why he didn't play four games last year, but we won't do that. We don't have time for that today. He tells fans, come to the games. You want to support OSU football? Come to the games. OSU fans are coming to the games. The crowds have been good. Crowd was good earlier in the year for the non-conference game. Crowd was good against Baylor on Saturday. I mean, it was homecoming. Place was loaded. Maybe he's worried about the, the crowds dipping later in the season. I don't know. And maybe he, he should be worried about the crowds dipping later in the season. Um, you know, the TCU game, who knows on that? You would assume Bedlam will be a packed house. Bedlam usually is a packed house and should be. Um, but, yeah, I don't think that was a shot at the fans. I think he's just worried about it becoming a problem later in the season. So he's trying to remind people, hey, do your part, be in the stadium. I, I didn't take that as a shot as at the fans, though. He said He said that the program is not in as bad a shape as it was, and he kind of implied – post-Whedon, pre-Rudolph. Maybe he's right. It feels pretty similar. It it feels pretty similar to that season where Oklahoma State 2014 was was five and six and went and got the win in Norman, which maybe kept Gundy in Stillwater instead of him heading off to Knoxville. I I don't know. It feels pretty similar. Uh, And then right there at the end, he says, nothing to worry about. I tell you what, people are worried. People are worried. Uh, people are having a hard time taking it on faith that this is just all going to get fixed, and for good reason. It's It's been recurring problems that Oklahoma State fans don't see changing, and again, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. There, there's, no, there's no seeming emergence from this. Maybe next year Spencer Sanders figures it all out, plays great football, Oklahoma State wins nine games. Or maybe Chuba Hubbard and Tylen Wallace both leave. You don't have enough playmakers, and even though Spencer Sanders has improved, you, you dip in a couple other areas and you go six and six again. If Oklahoma State goes six and six this year, that'll be two in a row. If it happens again next year, that's three in a row. At what point is six and six no longer acceptable? You've created the monster. You've got to feed it. Uh, all right, we're listening to Mike Gundy here on a Tuesday on Locked On Pokes. Uh, that was a long clip, so just the one there after. The break, we're going to hear him talk about some of the turnovers on Saturday, what happened on that throw at the end of the first half with Spencer Sanders, how do you separate your offensive line play from your QB play, how much responsibility does each side bear for these turnovers, Uh, all that and much, much more. It is a great day. It is a Tuesday episode of Locked On Pokes here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to 
to Locked on Pokes here on a Tuesday, taking a listen to what Mike Gundy had to say yesterday following the disappointing homecoming loss to the Baylor Bears in Stillwater on Saturday. Make sure you hit me up on Twitter at Colby J. Powell at Locked on Pokes and subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you may be listening. Uh, All right, we're going to get right back into it. Mike Gundy was a little long-winded yesterday in some of his answers. So if a couple of these clips seem longer than normal, uh, he had quite a bit to say yesterday. Um, I I don't know if I want to say in defense of the way his team uh, played on Saturday, but just kind of trying to explain where the team is at and what went wrong Saturday. He, he was asked, and he kind of started his press conference talking about the turnovers and the mistakes and, and how much that really cost them in the loss to the Baylor Bears. Here's what Mike Gundy had to say about the turnovers and the mistakes Oklahoma State made, particularly in that fourth quarter. We're going to continue to work hard on um... – Minimizing turnovers, you know, the, I've said it enough times, but I'll, I'll say it again and kind of conclude that, you know, the three things that got us are the three things that you can't have. And it happened to us in the fourth quarter. Turned the ball over, won for a touchdown, gave up two big plays, and we had uh, penalties in the fourth quarter. And so you take a, at what point, at one point it was a 10-point lead and then uh, even a, uh, a four, three or four-point lead, and you... Um, make critical errors, then you put yourself in a difficult situation. And that's what happened in that game. So we'll continue to work on it this week and try to get better for the next one, playing a good football team. Yeah, it was pretty apparent to just about everybody that Baylor played mistake-free football late in the game, and Oklahoma State made all of its biggest mistakes at the absolute worst time. The turnover for the touchdown in the fourth quarter. Big plays you give up to Baylor. The crossing route, the deep crossing route, long touchdown. Happens in the fourth quarter. Penalties, talked about that yesterday. Discipline, Oklahoma State, big-time penalties in the fourth quarter. Things that cost your team games were all mistakes that Oklahoma State made in the fourth quarter quarter. Those things add up. And like I said yesterday, when you make them all in the fourth quarter, it it doesn't snowball. It's not a snowball. It's an avalanche. And that's what we saw on Saturday against Baylor. So this this is another long answer from Mike Gundy. and has a a brief question from Robert Allen in the middle, but he was asked on that that last drive of the first half. We talked about this yesterday. The the turnovers Oklahoma State's had have been of the devastating variety. The one turnover Baylor had, that was a fumble at the OSU 30 on a big run, guys trying to make a play. It happens. You force a punt. No harm, no foul. The, the turnovers Oklahoma State's making are directly leading to points for the other team or directly taking points off the board for Oklahoma State, like the interception at the end of the first half. So Mike Gundy was asked, what happened on the throw at the end of the first half? What, uh, what about the drive leading up to that, all of the good things that had happened leading up to that, uh, that throw that Spencer Sanders made that was intercepted right there before halftime? Here's what Coach Gundy had to say. Let's address the two things, okay? People want to know, and I'm just guessing people want to know. I don't know, but I'm just guessing people want to know. He made a poor throw at the end of the first half. He just made the same throw perfect, okay? So people say, well, what happened? I don't know what happened. If I'd have known what happened, I'd have fixed it before it happened. I just know sometimes that happens, okay? Arguably the most decorated quarterback to play here ever other than me was Mason. And I saw Mason against Oklahoma pull an RPO and throw it right to a safety in the back of the end zone on first and goal from the six-yard line. I don't have any idea why he did that. Now, his demeanor and the way he handled the offense, I'll just come clean with you because I told you guys he got flustered at Tech and became emotional. He was good. He was like a a seasoned veteran. He was fine. He was communicating. Um, He got off the field. He talked to Sean. And he was doing really well. He understood it. He got it. And even when he missed reads, he's going to miss reads. When Mason was at his best here, he would still miss a couple reads in 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 a half. 
That's normal. There's a lot going on out there. So I think he missed four total in the game. For a guy at his, uh, in his progression at his age, there's nothing wrong with that. That's going to happen, okay? So all of that was good. Forget the throw at the end of the first half. If he doesn't drop the ball and they don't pick it up and run in for a touchdown, we're not really having this discussion. He had improved and he had gotten better. He will get better each week. I guarantee you. The guy coaching him knows what he's doing. He will get him better, okay? And and Spencer is a, a very prideful young man. And the only issue he has to work on is thinking he can play a perfect game. He'll accept responsibility. He'll tell you he's wrong. He'll tell you it's his fault. But he in a game, he wants to play a perfect game. That's not going to happen. I think I played two in my career. I don't see him ever playing a perfect game. You guys aren't even laughing at my jokes today. I thought that's... I, mean, I, wanted, I wanted to forget about the last play of that drive, and I wanted to know what you thought about every other play in that drive. He was good. And he was good. I think he missed two reads in the first half, and that's going to happen. So he, he had been fine. He had made great strides in two weeks. Just the end, you know, you play a good round of golf, you get on 18, and you got a chance to set the course record, and you hit a triple bogey. Nobody ever talks about what happened. That triple bogey screwed you up. That's what he did. Put the ball on the ground, let it up, pick and run it in for, an end, uh, for a touchdown. It was a glaring mistake. And then defensively, we gave up two big plays. And we had one, one non-competitive 70-yard run where everybody's heads were down. We went out there and let them run the ball for 70 yards. That's what happened. But we played better in that game than we did the game before. We just played a team that overall right now is a pretty good football team. They don't make a lot of mistakes. Their quarterback's a veteran guy. He's savvy. He's slippery. He's a good football player. And they're, they're tackling well on defense. And they got two guys that can rush the passer. And they got a nose guard that can drive your center back. Those are pretty good combinations for today's game. Another long answer there from, from Coach Gundy and, and really all that to say Spencer looked better for the most part but still has to eliminate the big mistakes. The big mistakes are what cost you football games. And, you know, he, he was asked about uh, a little bit earlier, and it was a, a very short answer, so I didn't even clip it. He was asked about, you know, at what point, if these turnovers can continue, do you consider making a change? And, and he basically said, yeah, we wouldn't make a change unless – the, the guy didn't acknowledge what, what was going wrong and, and doing everything he can to fix it. So, look, Spencer Sanders is the quarterback for Oklahoma State. He's going to be the quarterback for Oklahoma State going forward. And Oklahoma State fans just have to accept that there are going to be mistakes and hope that he learns from them and, and that he cuts the mistakes out of his game because they, they've cost Oklahoma State big time against Texas Tech and Baylor, and I almost wonder if he didn't do himself a disservice with how well he played against Oregon State. He set the bar pretty high, and now people expect that the entire season. He comes out, he, he looks like a freshman uh, who, who hadn't played football in two years, and everyone's panicking, and, and understandably so, because this is on the heels of a 6-6 six and six season. This was supposed to be the bounce-back year. You got the best running back in the country, you got one of the best receivers in the country, and it's not working, so I understand why people are panicked. Uh, Mike Gundy legitimately does not seem concerned. Uh, also, he was asked a good question about how do you separate offensive line play from quarterback play? How, how much responsibility does each side bear for these turnovers? Here's what he had to say. The offensive line play in the first half of the first quarter was not good. From that point all the way up, really, for the most of the game, was pretty good. Um, I said this last week, and I'll say it again. To play quarterback at any level, particularly high school, college, and beyond, 
you have to have good ball security in the pocket, period. Okay? Now, you see some quarterbacks get away with it. Watch the guys that are veterans that have hung around and played forever and been successful. Okay? We used to, uh, you know this, you've been around here for 100 years. We used to make fun of Mason doing this all the time at practice. Well, he did it for the Steelers the other day, and he's still doing it. Watch Brady, watch Breeze, watch Rodgers, watch Russell Wilson. Those guys have good ball security in the pocket. It's a lot going on for a quarterback, and as soon as you start to do this, you're asking for it. You might get away with it, but you're asking for it. So we worked hard on it for two weeks. He was better. If you have the tape, you can go back and watch it. Throughout the game, he was much, much better. He put one on the ground in the fourth, and they picked it up and ran it in for a touchdown. Made it look worse. Glaring mistake. If they just recover it and get on the ball, and we hold them to a field goal, it's different. Should have, would have, could have, whatever. That's his responsibility. Forget the offensive line. He knows that. He understands that. He will accept responsibility for that. We'll continue to work in getting better. Okay? And you guys can watch for that. You'll see that sometimes. Some quarterbacks will take off and get away at times. Well, I see it. I don't care if I'm watching peewee football or the pros. I see it right away because I know the danger of it. That's his responsibility. He knows that. He has to continue to get better. All right, I need to take a break. On the other side, we've got two more clips from Mike Gundy. We've got uh, Mike Gundy talking about the coaching errors on defense that led to a couple of those big plays for Baylor. And Mike Gundy was asked about Brock Purdy's breakout game last year as a true freshman, which, as you'll all remember, came in Stillwater. So we'll hear from both of those. Uh, we'll, we'll get to some of Ryan's questions that he had on Twitter and keep things rolling here on Locked On Pokes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Pokes. Hope everyone is having a great Tuesday. I'm your host, Colby Powell. Find me on Twitter at Colby J. Powell at Locked On Pokes. Don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you are listening. Uh, let's dive right back into it. Try to be quick here in this final segment. Hearing from Mike Gundy on a Tuesday, trying to figure out what went wrong in Stillwater on Saturday. A couple of big plays uh, for the Oklahoma State defense. Talked about it yesterday. Three receivers had a catch of at least 60 yards, uh, you know, 70 three-yard touchdown run, I think it was, by Jermichael Hasty. Big, big plays for the Baylor Bears that killed Oklahoma State. Here's what Mike Gundy had to say about some of the coaching errors defensively. Well, I mean, it's just, it's there's more. There's there's usually three to four things on both sides of the ball you do after a game, you're like, gosh, we're lucky we got away with that. Here's the bad news. We, we had a couple on defense, and they hit us in the exact right spot. And it was not something that they did read-wise. They had to, a play call. So it, it, it was glaring. But that's when you go in with the team, and, you, and Gage is 15. I forgot. He's not, he's not 14. He's 15. But that's when you go in with the team. You say, look, here's the deal. It's our fault. Okay? We didn't get you in the right spot. They hit us on it. we got to be better. Mike Gundy there talking about some of the errors coaching uh, defensively leading to some of those big plays Saturday against Baylor. There were some big plays last year from Brock Purdy in Stillwater. Brock Purdy, after an injury, came on for Iowa State and led the Cyclones to a victory in Stillwater. Mike Gundy was asked about uh, you know Brock Purdy's breakout game last year and what he thinks about him as a quarterback. He's a savvy quarterback. He's very good. I think he's going to play in the NFL. Uh, he's uh, he's uh, a somewhat unusual mobile for his size, and he's, he's strong for his size. I think he's 215, two, two, 220, something like that. Doesn't look that big. He's a good football player, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And they brought him out. We were the lucky. Uh, we, we drew the short straw last year, and they brought him out against us. He's been in ever since, and he's played well. 
They're a good football team. Matt does a good job defensively. They're sound. Um, they they don't give up a lot of big plays. Um, they rush the football, little read zone, throw it out in the flat a little bit, a lot of underneath crossing routes. And they just kind of play the game and then try to find a way to win in the fourth quarter is what they've done. And they've gotten a little bit better based on mature quarterback play. Brock Purdy has certainly been a good player for Iowa State, and it certainly looks like the Cyclones are starting to figure things out more and more. I, I was way off on that game against Texas Tech on Saturday. I thought Texas Tech had figured something out and would give them a real run for their money. Could not have been more wrong. The, the game ended up as a 10-point win for Iowa State, but they led by three touchdowns most of the day. It, it was not close. It was not competitive. Uh, so, so now this brings me to looking ahead for Oklahoma State and got some questions from Ryan yesterday on Twitter at Ryan underscore the underscore great on Twitter and essentially looking at the rest of the schedule for Oklahoma State. Ryan's kind of breaking it down here uh, and he's he's saying, you know, best case scenario, seven and six. So, so he's thinking best case would be wins over TCU, Kansas, and West Virginia. Oklahoma State four and three right now. So I think most of us right now would assume losses to Iowa State and Oklahoma. So in that scenario, that would make uh, best case seven and six. So, so that's kind of what he's saying. He's saying worst case, four and nine. I don't think worst case is four and nine. Could Oklahoma State individually lose to TCU or Kansas or West Virginia? Sure. Is it likely or, or even, I don't want to use the word possible. Sure, it's possible. But it is incredibly improbable that Oklahoma State would lose all three of those games. Kansas and West Virginia are the two worst teams in the conference. Could you lose one of those? Sure. Is it likely you're going to lose both of those? No. TCU, middle of the pack team in this conference, lost to Manhattan this past week. So he's saying worst case, four and nine. I, I disagree with worst case, four and nine. He goes on to say that his best guess is, uh, is six and six. I tend to agree with that. I think you probably lose to Iowa State and Oklahoma, so that's four and five, and then you probably go two and one against TCU, Kansas, and West Virginia. You probably lose either that game to TCU or that game at West Virginia. Oklahoma State just has not been consistent enough for me to pick them to win all three of those games. I just can't do it. And I think a lot of OSU fans right now would be hesitant to do it. So, uh, you know, Ryan's talking about Kansas looked better this past weekend against Texas. Les Miles has them kind of rolling. Yeah, he definitely does. Uh, Stanley looks pretty good. Puka looks pretty good. I agree with all that. TCU, uh, a complete unknown. And then uh, at the end here, he says, uh, all I know is I typed a lot, but this team needs a reality check, and I don't think any coach on the staff is capable of giving it right now. Knowles has to go, and if this crap continues, so does Gundy, and I'm a Gundy supporter more often than not. Uh, and that's from Ryan on Twitter. Look, a lot of people who've been Gundy supporters for a long time are starting to have questions and starting to have concerns and starting to get frustrated, and I understand. Uh, look, I've got big-time questions and concerns about both coordinators, Jim Knowles and Sean Gleason, but uh, most of his sentiment I agree with. I think Oklahoma State is likely a 6-6 six and six football team, and then that leaves us with a whole nother offseason of wondering, is 6-6 six and six really acceptable in Stillwater? Uh, and are we going to have to endure another 6-6 six and six season? Appreciate everyone listening. Uh, this has been another Tuesday on Locked on Pokes, hearing from Mike Gundy. Gundy. Tomorrow we go through all the numbers. We look at Iowa State, all of the rankings, offense, defense, third down, red zone, all of it. We look at Oklahoma State, how that's shifted uh, from last week to this week, all of it. Tomorrow on Locked On Pokes. Thanks for listening right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.